Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. All right. So, so Pastor Ben, obviously, uh, just a little bit about myself. So I have been... I grew up kind of in the church. Uh, my grandmother uh, was saved. Uh, she brought me to church a lot. And then when I was kind of in middle school and high school, I actually uh, was in church as well. I was in youth group. I was pretty active. Um, but then, you know, life happens sometimes. You know what I mean? So as I grew into adulthood, I joined the military, um, moved around a lot, went to, it doesn't really matter, but I went to Iraq and, Ku- and F- Kuwait, I mean, um, and, you know, did lots of things and always kind of knew who God was but didn't really have the foundation uh, to be to know who God was, if you will, right? And to really uh, understand it and apply it and live it in my life. And so about seven years ago, right around the time, at, honestly, I started seeking God right, right around the time I, went, I met my wife, excuse me, and, and she was seeking God. And so we kind of came together, and that was about seven years ago. And so the idea was, um, you know, I, I rededicated my life to God, been active in the church, and Pastor Ben, sometimes he needs someone's help. So he goes on vacation sometimes. Guys, people need vacation. How many here, you know, sometimes need vacation? Awesome. Pastors need vacation too. Sometimes we can put pastors almost a little bit on a pedestal, and we feel like they're, they have big S's on their chest, maybe a big, you know, they're superheroes, but they, they need, they need our prayers. They need our love. They need our empathy and our forgiveness. Pastors sin. Pastors are people, right? So the idea is, you know, all he has is Pastor Self. And so working towards, you know, building people up in the church, one of the things he did is he asked me to preach. Now, guys, um, Pastor Ben will tell you, I did not ask to preach. One of the first things I told him when I came here is, I want to serve, I want to help, I don't want to teach. That's not, that's not, that's not something that I, I want to do. Um, but uh, there was a need, and sometimes, how do you say, uh, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips those he calls, Right? Yeah. Amen. 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 When we are comfortable um, seeing a need and just saying, God, if you want me to do this, I'm willing to try. You'll be surprised how many times God is in that with you, right? And helps you develop those skills and abilities and strengths that you need. Um, and so that was the case uh, in this particular situation. All right. So that's why I'm here. I did need a push. I appreciate that push. I've been growing in my Christian life and really learning more than <laughs> more than I have. Uh, you know, it's funny. You read the Bible, right? And it's completely different when you read the Bible to actually give a teaching. It's completely different. You wouldn't think it. I didn't think it, but it's true. Maybe you should try it. Um, it's kind of interesting. So what I wanted to talk about today <clears throat> is, have you ever talked to anyone about being a Christian? And this was really interesting to me because I started thinking about this. And maybe you're, you're newly saved, right? If you're newly saved, you have to tell your friends at some point, right? Maybe they're going to, to go to a party or to do things that you start to not feel comfortable with. At some point in time, it might come up, hey, I'm a Christian, right? If you've already been saved for a while, you might be sharing your faith with someone. Maybe in the grocery store. Maybe, you know, you're at work. You know, and you're like, hey, brother, you're, they're having troubles with their, with life, marriage, friends, family. Hey, God loves you, right? I'm a Christian. So the question that I have is, when you do that, how do those people respond? Because we would love for them to respond in, 
that's exciting. I want what you have. That's what we talk about as Christians, that people should look at our lives and say, that's exciting. I want what you have in my life. But I've experienced that a lot of times people look at us differently, or at least we're afraid that they will. Sometimes, especially if we're a new Christian, we tell our friends, they're like, what do you mean you're a Christian? You're not going to be like a, like a holy roller now, are, are you? Right? You're not going to stop doing everything we ever did together, are you? And so it gets interesting. And the idea here is the world, they look at Christians as like, like the, the David with Goliath, but not the one who wins. <laughs> do you kind of see what I mean? They think of themselves as like, no, successful, right? They've got like the money, they've got the stuff, whatever it is. And they look at Christians as like, oh, you poor Christians. I feel bad for you. Almost, a little bit. And so the idea that I want to talk about today, and, and you got, you got to work with me a little bit on this, but the idea that I want to talk to you about today is that's not what God wants for you. God wants for you to have life. And God wants for you to have it more abundantly. And so I've titled this, mes- this message kind of interestingly, the intention genuinely is to provoke a response. Cause, cause I've sat in churches where everybody's super quiet and everyone's like, yeah, okay. And so I need that response, right? I, if, you, I don't want to waste your time, right? I, you guys have taken the time to come out of your homes to come to church to join, you know, the Facebook live stream. I don't want to waste your time. And so if you guys are just sitting here comfortable and you check in and then you go home and nothing changed, guys, I've wasted everybody's time. So I don't want to do that. So the today's, the title of today's message is God. <laughs> he says, don't be a zombie. Don't be a zombie. That's, that's the title of my message. Work with me for just a second. Okay. So <laughs> what could that mean, right? How could you become a zombie, right? Well, a zombie walks around and looks alive, but he isn't, right? And so a zombie might have been bitten by somebody that they knew, a friend or a family, a coworker, right? And got infected, not with corona, but maybe, maybe with a zombie virus, right? Um, and over time, these zombies, they look normal. They're walking around. And they start losing their ability, they start getting confused, they lose their ability to think, right, clearly, right? They start losing the ability to do the things that they used to be able to do when they were alive, right? So they used to be able to walk around and run and do all these normal things, and now the Christian things, spiritual things. And now as zombies, infected maybe by some of the people around them, they start, they, over time, right, they start becoming more like zombies. Okay, just so that you kind of have an idea of what I'm talking about. Jesus made a similar analogy. Not the same analogy, but a similar analogy. He talked about whitewashed tombs. And he was talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees. And when he did that, he said, guys, you guys all come to church. Not you guys, but this is what Jesus was saying at the time. He said, you guys all come to church, but you look really pretty, but you're actually filled with death inside. You don't have that spiritual life. And that's what I want to talk about today. So the idea is, look, what, what is it? Can I get it, church? Don't be a zombie. That's what we're going to talk about, okay? All right. Okay. <clears throat> so, for our first kind of verse, we're, what we're going to talk about is in John 10, verses 7 through 10, um, I, want to talk, I want to start off with kind of what Jesus said, okay? So Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So starting at verse 7. Awesome. Thank you so much, Josh. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And all whoever came before me 
are thieves and robbers. And the sheep didn't hear them. I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And I will go in and out, and, um, sorry, they will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. And I, this is Jesus talking, have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And that's really what we're talking about, okay? So we're going to talk about having life and have it more abundantly. So when we talk about obtaining that life, we're going to kind of break it up into kind of three parts, okay? We're going to break it down into the right approach, what to do, and then multiplying it in our lives. Because Jesus doesn't just say, hey, I want you to have life. He says, and he, he literally says, I want you to have life, period, and have it more abundantly. Exactly. So we're going to talk about that. All right. So we're going to start with that first point. We're going to talk about the right approach. Okay? Has anyone ever here tried to do something new for the first time? Okay. <laughs> the example that I want to give, because it's kind of simple, or at least it was top of mind, how about baking? Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to bake, but when you try to bake, you have to be very, very, very specific. If I had a friend, Joe, Alex, if you wanted to learn to bake, okay, here's what I would tell you. I would say, be very careful. <laughs> Use a recipe, especially the first time. Be very precise in your measurements. Don't substitute ingredients. Guys, this is, if you know how to bake, this, this will resonate to you. If they say use unsalted butter, don't use regular butter, okay? Because there's chemicals, there's chemistry involved in baking. And you put, just as a very small side note, you put that salt in, it kills the yeast, your bread doesn't rise, all kinds of crazy stuff, okay? The idea here is that if I were to instead say, Alex, can you teach me to play the drums? He might give me a completely different approach to playing. He might say, just try it. It's okay if you fail. Just practice a little bit, and I'll kind of help you as you go. Here's some examples to listen to of people who play the drums. So the idea here is, if you're going to learn something, there are tips and tricks, if you will, to how you approach that new activity so that you can be successful. And we have some of those with, with life, with what we're talking about today. All right. So the first one is attitude, and this is in Matthew 6, verse 22 and 23. Okay. So they're on the board. Guys, we're going to hit a lot of verses. I love every single person who goes out there and opens your Bible. I tried, I'm going to, I'm going to share really quick. <laughs> I tried to make sure that I didn't run out of things to say. And the first time I shared this teaching with Pastor Ben, I got to an hour and 15 minutes and I still had about 30 minutes left. So I'm going to be going over this a little bit quickly. We have them on the board. I love for you to open your Bible, guys. That's how we develop those skills, but we're also going to have them on the board. All right, so the idea here is attitude. And this is about the eye being the lamp of the body, okay? So in verse 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If, therefore, your eye is good, your whole body will be full with light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be filled with darkness. If, therefore, the light that is in you, is darkness. How great is that darkness? All right, so here's what can happen when I read the Bible. I don't know if it happens when you guys read the Bible, but when I read the Bible, it can sound really pretty. I'm like, okay, I got it, and then I move on. And if I do that, I can lose a lot of the meaning, right? Okay, cool. So the idea here, 
I don't know if this applies to anybody else, okay? Maybe this was when you were a kid. Maybe this was a long time ago. But if maybe you've only seen it in a movie, but I've experienced this, okay? So if you can imagine a room, and we've got some really cool fancy lights kind of, um, but have you ever seen the lights that kind of like hang down from the ceiling and have like a single bulb, and then they have like the chain that you pull it on? Now, I don't know why they do that, okay? <laughs> because to turn on the light, you pull the chain, and then the light is swinging. It's a mess, okay? And also, I don't know about it if it's you guys, but it seems like those bulbs are never like 120-watt bulbs. They're like 45-watt bulbs, at least in my experience, right? And so what you have is you have a room, and there's no other lights, guys. I don't know why. They put the one light. It's not a good light, and there's no other. But you're in this room, right? And there's this light, and it's hanging down from the ceiling. 45-watt bulb, and it's swinging. Well, what happens? You wind up getting weird shadows, right? Every, it, it could be like a very normal plain room, but you've got all these shadows everywhere, right? And it's dim. And if you try to read, right, or you try to write, or you try to do anything detailed, right, you're going to have dark, dim, right? And you're going to have all kinds of shadows everywhere, and it's going to be hard, right? The idea here is, how do we... So it says, eyes are the lamp of the body. It's, it's not a passive thing. God's not saying that if the world that you look at... <laughs> is dim, you know, your body's going to be dim. He says, the lamp, how you look at the world. And this is actually a choice, right? He's bringing this out to make a point. He's saying, guys, if you look at the world, all right, you guys have heard of uh, glass half full, glass half empty? Okay, cool. All right, so first of all, to all, to all of my tempted to be pessimists in here, um, I want to I wanna share the idea that God is a realist, okay? God does not ask us to not deal in facts. He does not ask us to not deal in truth. God is a God of truth, and he loves truth. He is truth, right? But there's an aspect of, if you have a glass, right, that's half full, it's, it's just half, guys, right? But you can describe it as half full, or you can describe it as half empty. And, and you have that optimistic attitude, right? That's going to fill your life. And so when I see my friends, right? And sometimes, guys, have you, <laughs> my family, my family, we have, we have children's cartoons. I swear I'm going to stay on topic, but I want to share this really quick. Um, uh, I think it was Angry Birds 1 or Angry Birds 2, and they had a concept of, of resting bird face. That's just, uh, it might be replaced with something else if you're familiar. Um, but the idea, <laughs> the idea is you walk around and you're just kind of like this. Some of us look like that first thing in the morning. Some of us look like that first thing. Some of us look that way when we're driving. I don't know. I won't pay attention. But some of you might be looking that way in church right now. I don't know. Okay. But the idea is when you're having resting bird face, right, are you, are, are, are you, are people interpreting that correctly? Because if you have a dim perspective on people and you see someone and they're kind of like this or, or whatever, you could assume that they're having a bad day or they're in a bad mood or they don't like you. You could assume they don't like you. Or maybe someone hasn't talked to you before. Uh, this is, I don't think this is personal, but I'm gonna call, I'm gonna call you out, Soph, I apologize. Soph and I didn't really talk when we first came to this church. Guy Soph is a great guy. He doesn't have kids. We have kids. We, we talked in church, but we didn't, we didn't hang out. I didn't know if Soph liked me. I didn't know if Soph didn't like me, right? But if I would have assumed that Soph didn't like me, guys, we wouldn't be friends now today. Now we go over to each other's house. We hang out together. It's kind of cool. And the idea here is, is our, our eyes are the lamp of the way we see things determine whether our life, whether we're filled with life, we're looking at good things, 
or we're seeing things in a negative way. Okay? All right, cool. So first thing, right, that let's make sure that we have the right attitude. This is how, right, we're going to have life in our life. Second, I'll try to speed this up a little bit. That was fun. I'll try to have less rabbit trails. I apologize. Second one is, let's keep it in perspective, Matthew 11, 28 and 30. Okay? So as we go through life, again, how do we approach this thing? We're going to have a good attitude. We're going to try to keep it in perspective, okay? So Matthew 11, 28 through 30, his burden is light and easy to carry, okay? All right, so starting at verse 28, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All right, why do I bring this up? Okay, if you're going to have life in your life, in, in your life, you're going to have spiritual life within you. You're going to have situations where God says, hey, you know what? You should probably approach things a certain way. Um, let me give you a funny example. I thought this was a funny example. I don't know if my wife is going to think this is a funny example, but we'll try it really quick, okay? God says, don't commit adultery. If you don't have the right perspective, you can go around life thinking, man, I can't commit adultery. I am a Christian. Dang. Right? That's how you could approach it. But if you keep it in perspective, right, and you compare and contrast God's burden to the world's burden, now you have the comparison to make. You can say, well, I can't commit adultery. Would I prefer to commit adultery or have a divorce? <laughs> I pure, overwhelmingly would prefer to not have committed adultery, right? Divorce is vastly worse of a life than the minor burden of being honorable and respecting your wife. Guys, I choose that. I choose that every day, all day long. And that's what God wants us to see. Every single thing that he tells us, we got to keep it in perspective. What's the alternative? I'll give you... I don't want to give it away. We're going to talk about it later on in the, in the teaching, but I want, I want you guys to keep thinking about that because we're going to apply these as we go forward. How do you have life in your, your spiritual life within you? All right. The last point, when we start talking about like having the right approach, right? This last point is that to remember that life with God is exciting. This is Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16. Josh is on it today. I love it. I, I, I say it, and I look up, and it's there, and it's great. All right, so this is talking about salt and light. Salt and light, guys. So starting in verse 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by man. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill and cannot be hidden. Nor do they light, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. It gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Okay, cool. Why do I say that? Because we think about the Christian life. Again, think about that. As man, poor me, I can't sin. I can't do the things, right? And, and the world sometimes thinks that too. 
And if the world thinks about that us, and we think that about us, why would the world ever want what we have? God doesn't want us to be a zombie, right? All right, so let's talk about that. All right, so salt and light. Guys, I'm going to make some analogies here, and I think you're going to see where I'm going with it. But but if you don't, that's okay. I'm going to share a perspective and an idea, okay? The idea here is if we talk about being salt and light, God talks about a couple of things. He says that we are salt of the earth, and if it loses its flavor. So I'm not making stuff up. There's lots of things you could do with salt. In this particular case, God is talking about salt being, having flavor. And that if it loses its flavor, it's not good for anything but to throw out. Okay? So the idea that salt is for flavor. Okay, so let's talk about that. Let's actually dig into that for a second. Um, I don't know how many people cook here. I cook. Okay? So I've given baking analogies. I apologize. I hope I'm not going too far off. But I cook, guys. And I think I cook because I like to eat, but that's probably a different <laughs> teaching, right? Um, but I like to cook. And the idea here is that when you have salt, right, I could have, I could have the best food in the world. Maybe a soup. Uh, just for example. Not because I love soup, but I want you to just think about something. So if I have a soup and I let all the flavors melt and I've cooked it for a while and it's a really good soup, but it doesn't have salt, it won't tend to bring those flavors out, right? So the idea here is that salt actually brings flavors out, brings out the goodness, brings out the interesting things, okay? So I'm going to talk about this. There's also one other kind of funny thing, and I'm going to say it, and I don't know if it relates, but it, it, it struck me that when you have different flavors, salt can also kind of smooth over the differences, right? This flavor, right. So you have these different, and it can smooth over the differences. And the idea here is that that's how we're intended to be in our walk, right, in our daily life. Within our friends' circles, we should be pulling out those good things. Now, what's a, what's a good thing? Man, brother, sister, I love your engagement. It's so helpful, right? Building people up. Or, hey, man, Alex, dude, you killed on the drums. Like, we need more people to learn how to play drums, maybe from you, if that's something you're interested in. Maybe we find ways to use your skills even more. But I see salt as being the way that I bring out the goodness in people, right? I, I identify cool things. I identify the good things in life because I have the right perspective. I'm looking at things with bright eyes. And so all of the people, my friends and my family around me who aren't sinner, who aren't saved, right? They see me and they're like, wow, he sees good things and he brings those things out and he amplifies those good things, right? That's what I think about when I think about salt. And so when I think about that, guys, people want to start being around you. It stops being, oh, poor sinner. It's like, are you kidding? Like, I've got a great marriage. I've got great kids. Not because I won the lottery, because I love God. Because I do the things God asks of me, right? All right, cool. All right, so we talked about the right approach. We talked about having the right attitude. We talked about keeping it in perspective. And to remember that life with God is exciting. Now we're going to talk about what to do. How do we obtain life? And when we talk about that, we're going to talk about what kind of life, what does it look like, and how do we get it? Now, I think I gave this away a little bit. Okay. But, but just because we're, I, I want to be thorough, right? What kind of life are we talking? Jesus said, I want you to have life and have it more abundantly. Okay, cool. I know someone who had life and had it abundantly. In the Bible, his name was Methuselah. He lived for 900 years, right? This was before the flood, right? That's not the kind of life that Jesus is talking about, right? 
There were a lot of people that had life in the New Testament after Jesus. The apostles, they didn't live for 900 years. Okay, so it's probably not length of time. Okay, well, the world sometimes talks about having life. They like the high life, if you ever, at Miller, I think something like that, right? Like, you have the good life, right? What are they talking about? Kind of like materialism, right? It's almost like your flesh has life, right? I don't think that's what, that's not what he's talking about either. So what is he talking about in this case? He's talking about spiritual life, right? Okay, so as long as we're all on the same page, we're not talking about materialistic life, we're not talking about length of time, we're talking about spiritual life, okay? But on earth, spiritual life. Okay, cool. So, the second thing I want to talk about is what does it look like, okay? So we talk about spiritual life. If I say, God wants you to have spiritual life, and of sermon, you know, teaching, you know, does anyone want to get saved? Play the last song that you guys leave for the day. Who knows what I'm talking about? Well, not real. We're not, don't have specifics, right? So what we want to talk about is what does it look like to have spiritual life? Okay, l- let's look at an example. The first thing I want to talk about is that fruit are the results of your life, okay? So we can start having this conversation. So Matthew 7, 15 through 20, right? It's going to talk about what are fruit. Man, Josh is on it today. I love it. So this is talking about what is fruit, and starting in verse 16. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit, and a good tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Okay, so all I want to talk about that is that fruit is the result of your life. So very quickly, gosh, I'm taking a really long time on this, so I'm going to try to go quickly. All right, so if you think about a tree, right, um, what does a tree do? It grows, right? A little bit more specifically, it pulls in nutrients from the soil, breathes in carbon dioxide from the air, exhales oxygen, absorbs uh, sunlight, right? Photosynthesis, all those types of things. And what is the result of all of that growing and work? Fruit, like a pear, right? Or, or a pomegranate or a pineapple or whatever. Okay, well, God is using that analogy to describe our lives, right? But in our situation, um, uh, I had an example that I was sharing with Mel the other day. Um, how many people, when you go to work, you expect a paycheck? Oh, okay. Most people. Okay, cool. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't sure. Uh, so the idea is that a paycheck is the fruit of your labor. We all understand that. Okay. Well, God, he doesn't care about our physical labor. He talks about works, right? That's not what he's caring about. And God, he doesn't really care about our physical wealth, right? That physical fruit, that money of our labor. I mean, it's important because it's important to us, because we care about it, so we have to make sure that we humble ourselves. But God cares about our spiritual labor and our spiritual fruit, right? So this is the kind of spiritual life and spiritual fruit that God cares about. God's talking about fruit. If you think about us being producing fruit, it's that spiritual fruit we're going to be talking about, okay? So some examples of spiritual fruit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, or evidence, again, fruit is evidence of having that spiritual life, right? Okay, cool. It's the fruit of the Spirit, starting in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. All right, so now this isn't an exhaustive list, guys. This isn't every possible thing that is a good outcome of having spiritual life, but this is a pretty decent list, okay? This is an example that we have from the Bible. Okay, so these are some examples of evidence that you have spiritual life. Well, how do we get those things? Okay, so we're going to kind of break these down because there's, there's kind of a lot here, and we're just going to go kind of quickly one by one, but I want to point some things out, okay? The order here is kind of interesting. It, it, it looks kind of, oh, he doesn't have the verse up. Do you mind, Josh? Thank you so much. Uh, the order here is kind of interesting because it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long, and it goes through all of them. But what I want to suggest to you as we break this out, and I think you'll see what I'm talking about, is there's a little bit of priority, not in general, but a little bit of priority. If you think about love, Jesus says, you know, what must a man do to inherit the kingdom of God? I'm super paraphrasing. I apologize. I should have looked this verse up. But the idea is you must love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And that summarizes the whole law of the Old Testament. It's kind of a big deal. Love. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. So it's, it's a little bit bigger or has more weight, but, but it's priority. We're also going to talk about joy and peace and how those are a little bit, uh, we'll talk about it in a second, but they're not quite as straightforward or obvious sometimes. People think about joy and peace and they're like, well, how do I, I know how to be gentle or exercise self-control, but how do I do joy or peace? We'll talk about that, okay? So let's start off and let's talk about love. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 through 7, and, and 13, we're just going to skip for one more verse at the end. We're going to talk about love, okay? So the first part about this is the idea that nothing matters if you don't have love. And that's why this is really important. We're talking about what does it mean to have spiritual life? Well, nothing else matters. Remember we talked about um, God doesn't care about our physical works or our physical fruit. Well, there's actually a lot of things that could look spiritual that God doesn't care about if you don't have love. He must also have love for it to matter. Let's talk about that. So in verse 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, right, but have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal, okay? Prophecy, I'm just going to hit them really quick. Prophecy, wisdom, knowledge, faith. And though, verse 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. I'm going to pause on this just for a second because I thought this was really interesting. If I had the faith to move mountains, but have not love. Guys, I've never seen a mountain get removed. You know, we were told in the Bible that if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved, and it will remove it. That's kind of cool. And sometimes it's spiritual mountains, all kinds of stuff in our lives, right? Cancer could be a mountain, all kinds of things. But, but I've, I've never seen, like, a mountain. Imagine a mountain being moved, and the person who had that faith for that mountain to be moved, to get up to the judgment and say, but you don't have love. Because I want us to think about this, because the spiritual life is not about faith. Faith is super important. Faith is the reason, probably, why you have spiritual life. Because you believe in Christ, you believe that he loved us first. And we'll talk about that. But the idea here is, guys, if you don't have love, that's, that's a big deal, right? 
All right, cool. Let's talk about this more. All right, the last one that I, I just thought it was interesting. Verse 3, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Guys, you could talk about um, the parable of the rich man here, right? Is why did Jesus tell him to give away his things? He'd already done all. He said he'd never, you know, done anything against the law. He'd never violated the law since his youth, right? And Jesus said, cool, but I need you to go give everything away. And the cool thing about that is if you don't have the context of kind of the rest of the Bible, you might think, well, God wants us to give away all our money. And I'm not saying that Pastor Ben would say no if you gave him all. That's not what I'm saying. But the idea here is that it was a heart issue. It was a heart issue. Because Jesus, looking at this young man, saying, oh, I've never violated the law. I've never done anything wrong. And Jesus saying, cool, if you have not love, you've got all this wealth, and you're not loving anybody with it, right? So these are the types of things that we're talking about. How do you have spiritual life, okay? All right, so now we're going to jump down really quick, because what we said is, how do we have love? So we got to kind of know what love is, right? So let's talk about 1 Corinthians. This is the same, same uh, chapter and verses, but we're going to skip down to verse 4 through 7 and then 13. All right, you can't yawn, sister, or I'm going to yawn. Man, this, we're all going to be yawning. I know, I'm just like, <laughs> all right, uh, verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself and is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, it is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And now, skipping down to verse 13, thank you, sir, and now abide in faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. All right, cool. So we've got some examples that we can apply in our life. If we want the love evidence of having spiritual life, what are some things we could do? We could work on not being puffed up. We could be work on not envying others. We could work on not being provoked, right? These are just ways that we can love one another. We, we kind of have that idea, but this is an evidence of having spiritual life. That's what we're going to talk about, okay? All right, so now we're going to skip down. We're going to talk about those two that I talked about, joy and peace. Let's talk about joy first. Um, so we talked about them not necessarily feeling like actions. So let's look at what the Bible says, okay? Because the best thing to do is start with what the Bible says, and then we can kind of talk through it, okay? So in Romans 12, uh, verses 10 through 12, I want to talk about the idea that joy is not a lottery ticket. Because <laughs> sometimes we think, man, if I just won a million dollars, boy, I would have joy... I would sing, I would dance, I would, I, you, I'd give you $1,000, you'd probably have joy. I'd give you, so, Pastor Sof, if I gave you $1,000, would you have, we might have joy, right? But that's not what God is talking about. You know, the ideas that we have in the Bible are to love when it's hard, to do the good when we're not in those having a million dollar circumstances, right? So let's talk about what the Bible says just really quick, and let's kind of Keep that in context, okay? So, Joy, starting in verse 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another. This is just going to talk about a couple of things, and we'll talk about Joy specifically. With brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. 
rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. The idea here is you can find things to be joyful about. You can be joyful in hope. Guys, if we... Uh, you guys are familiar with thank- thankfulness, right? Thankfulness is a really kind of cool way for me to have joy. When, when we, sometimes if we say grace, we talk about the things we're thankful for. Sometimes if we say prayer at night, we have kids, so we, have, we try to do a lot of those things. Good to do them anyways, but I'm just saying we try to, we sit down with the kiddos and we, we say prayer at night. Um, and we say, we say, we say grace, we say thanks. We say, God, thank you for our family. Thank you for our friends. Thank you that we have a job. Thank you that we have a house. And then we pray for people, right? But it's a way, what do we say? We have to keep our perspective right. We have to keep our light bright. We have to focus on those good things. And one of those ways that we do that is we look for good things to be joyful about. And thankfulness is just an example. Okay? All right. I don't have time. I really wanted to talk about Pollyanna. Pollyanna, if you don't know, is a really old school movie about this little girl. Her parents are missionaries. And she could... All right, really quick. Joe, it's not my fault. They asked, they asked me for it, Joe. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. So... So her parents were missionaries, right? And she was in a new town. And this new town, almost everybody in this town was grumpy. I don't know why they were all grumpy, but they were kind of all grumpy. And so her parents were missionaries, and she was living with her aunt, right, at the time, but previously. And so she was talking about a time where she had wanted a doll. And she talked to her father, and she said, hey, you know what? Um, Is there any way that they could get me a doll? So they sent a letter. They made a request. There was confusion. I don't even know how you get to this confusion, but somehow they received that letter and they sent crutches. Maybe someone else asked for crutches, you know, and they asked for a doll. And the idea was that her father taught her to look for the good, right? And the people she was talking about in this grumpy town, they're like, how do you find the good in getting crutches as a little girl when you ask for a doll? And you know what her dad said? Maybe an extreme example. I hope to have this type of joy in my life. He said, we can be thankful that you don't need those crutches. Someone else needed those crutches, and you don't. Thank God, right? Guys, I'm, I'm not trying to be a down. I want to have joy in my life where I'm constantly looking for the good, where I'm constantly finding more reasons to have joy. All right, so Joe, that wasn't, that wasn't my fault. <laughs> All right, so peace. Let's talk about peace for a second. All right, so this is going to be Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. All right, so we're going to talk about it a little bit, and then I'm going to give a little bit of context, and you guys can tell me if it kind of makes sense. Verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the, the God of peace will be with you. Okay, this is the concept here that I'm trying to talk about is the idea that we can have God's peace. Because there are a lot of people who have anxiety. I don't mean... I, people have different ideas. I don't mean um, they have an illness, you know, of depression. I mean, I mean they're, they're cha- everyone we get challenged with depression, anxiety, anger, fear, all kind of stuff, right? How do we address those things? How do we have that fruit? How do we have that life in our lives? One of the things we can do is we can pay attention to the things that we're paying attention to. 
you know, I'm not saying don't watch Netflix. But when you watch Netflix, is it a bunch of killing and... Is it things that make you feel good afterwards? Or is it things that make you feel bad afterwards? Okay? That's all I'm saying. Is it things that make you think about God? Or think about loving your wife? Or think about loving your kids? Or think about being a better person? And it doesn't... It's not, it's not just nothing, right? But sometimes we can look at the news. And we can fill ourselves with these negative things, right? And guys, I just feel gross when I'm done sometimes. Or I go on social media and I go on Twitter and I hear about all those crazy things that all those crazy people are saying. I'm like, man, the world's terrible. And I can get this, these feelings inside. And it doesn't feel good, right? And the thing is, those are all amplifying, you know, the things that are in life. So if their eyes are dark and they're looking at the bad things and then I'm looking at them, how am I? My light is dark, right? It's just about what are we focusing on, right? There's one other thing I'm just going to touch on really quick, Proverbs 16, 7. And this is the idea that with peace, so one is the attitude of having peace in ourselves, and this is the idea that we even have peace with our enemies, that when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes peace. He makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And the idea here for me is that, just like joy, I could say, oh, I would have peace if nobody else was grumpy with me. (laughs) I might have peace, right? But that's not what God says. God says, if you're doing the things that I tell you to do, you're slow to anger, you have hope, right? You are looking for the good in people. Then those conflicts, you might not, they might not be your best friend, but they won't escalate, right? And so that's kind of cool. All right. Um, all right. So now we're going to skip down to the ones. Those were, we talked about love, joy, peace. Those were kind of the bigger ones. We're just going to skip down now to the, the, the rest of the fruits of the Spirit real quick. Um, long suffering. Okay. All right. So long suffering is interesting. It's almost like patience, right? But it has to do with putting up with something that's bad for a while. Um, and, and I relate this to conflicts. I don't know if that's true. There's lots of different ways that you could apply it. Sometimes people apply it, apply it to things that they pray for. And that's okay, but if I pray for something, I can't do anything about it. So when I think about long-suffering, I think about it as something that I could do something about, and I don't. Right? Yet. I wait. I'm patient. So, uh, <laughs> if you have siblings, uh, or friends, or coworkers, or a spouse... And sometimes emotions get high. And sometimes when emotions get high, someone says something that you don't like, right? And if I respond right away, and I have emotions and they have emotions, well, then, then, then we have grumpy people being grumpy with others. Then we're all grumpy, right? If we could instead have long-suffering and patience, what's ha- what happens is kind of cool, is that if we could just wait and almost look for that joy... You know, uh, look for that, that, that positive, you know, I know I love this person. I know I love this person. They're being grumpy with me. I'm being grumpy with them. You know, we get grumpy with each other sometimes, but I love this person. Let me just, let me just pause, be patient a little bit, have a little bit of long suffering and wait. And guys, my wife can tell you because she has long suffering with me, (laughs) but then I can see myself, right? But if, if, if her emotions flare up and my emotions flare up, then we just, we both kind of flare up at each other. But when one doesn't, 
that person who's being a little bit more escalating, emotions, hey, you this, or I didn't, you know, that type of stuff, then they can be like, oh, I can see that. <laughs> like holes in my, man, I see that person. They're, they're doing the right thing. I'm sorry, honey, I love you. Or I'm, hey, friend, you know, it's all those things. Okay, so long-suffering. Kindness. <clears throat> so the idea of being kind. Um, and what about when you don't feel like it? So I'm going to try to hit this really quickly. Um, it's, it's really kind of that idea that, like, if you are, are nice to people, right? If you're nice to people and, and they're, like, not sure how they feel about you, that almost gives the opportunity for them to like you, for them to appreciate and have a relationship with you. And if they didn't like you and you're kind, it kind of does the same thing, a little bit like long-suffering, right? And it's the idea that if they already liked you and you're nice to them, now you like each other even more, right? And it's just that kind of building on, on being nice to each other and finding ways. Okay, so that's fruit of the Spirit. Okay. Goodness. I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep it quick. Joe's got his eye on me. I'm sorry. I gotta, I gotta hurry up. All right. So goodness. Um, goodness is like kindness, but different. Goodness is the act of knowingly choosing to do good and not bad. Okay, so some of this stuff reminds me of the fruit of the Spirit. Guys, goodness, sometimes an aspect of that is like knowing that you should have long-suffering and then doing it. Because guess what? Pastor Ben comes up here and tells me to do things all the time. I'm like, yeah, I know I need to do that. And then I don't. And the, the idea here is that for the fruit of the Spirit, God says, I want you to do these things. There's a, there's, a, there's a quote really quick by C.S. Lewis, and the idea is that there's only two kinds of people. One is, one type of person is the kind of person that says, Lord, thy will be done. And the other type of person is the type of person who, sa- who God says to them, have it your way, <laughs> right? Have it, you know, it's that idea that goodness is when we do the things that we know to do. Okay. All right. Faithfulness. I'm just, I'm trying to get through these guys. I apologize. That's consistently trustworthy, right? A faithfulness. It, so it's consistently trustworthy to a, a relationship, friendship, spouse, coworkers, job. But it's also kind of interesting because it's faithfulness to truth, to God, to God's word, to God's values. Do we, do we have a different set of values when we walk outside of the church? Faithfulness would say no. Faithfulness, faithfulness would say, if this is what I believe, and I look, you know, and we're looking at the, at the teaching, and we're saying, yeah, I believe that. I need to do this. I need to be better, right? Then when we go home, we continue to have that faithfulness. We hold on to that, right? We don't just let it go. It's, it's an interesting idea. And if we do that, that's another evidence of life, spiritual life. All right, cool. Self-control. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. Gentleness. This is one I got to touch on for just a second. <laughs> Gentleness is kind of interesting because when I first rededicated my life, I needed to work on gentleness. I needed to work on gentleness, guys. I had this idea that if something was true, it shouldn't matter how I said it. And guys, if you have that idea in your life, you can hurt a lot of people, right? Sometimes, if what you say isn't perfectly true, but you're really nice about it, 
that can go farther towards relationships, right, and people trusting you than even saying what's true in a way that people, that's very rude, right? And it's that idea of God says to sharpen people as steel sharpens steel, as Christians, each other. So if I'm, Alex, brother, if you're going to sharpen me, right, and I'm going to sharpen you, and you say, man, that Jesse, Jesse I got to tell you, I'm sorry. Right? I think, I think Pastor Ben touched on this the other. Your beard, got it. It's ugly. I don't, it looks like a, like a cat shed threw up on your, that's what you gotta get rid of. He could say that. Might even be true. Might even be true. I don't know. But, but it's not having that gentleness that makes people want to hear you. Guys, what about gentleness with non-believers? How many people here have family or friends who we'd like to, influence. Hey, I see you, and I, you, you want to have this, but you're doing these things, and you're hurting yourself. Please, right? Finding that gentleness to reach out to them in love so that they can hear you. Right? Okay. Self-control. This feels like close to goodness, but this is almost, to me, I apply it to like anger, right? Lust, gluttony. The idea that this is about building our spirit over our flesh, building our spiritual muscles that when we want, when we know to do good, we do it, but having, um, here's a quote really quick. The idea that sometimes we think that we have a spirit. Who here thinks we have a spirit? Okay. What if I said to you, we don't have a spirit? We are a spirit who has a body, right? And what happens is we exercise our body right? Even our brain, we do things, but sometimes we don't exercise that spirit, and that sets a little bit of that self-control, okay? All right. All right, guys, this is my third point. This is a lot shorter. I'm going to try to hurry. He's got his eye on me, guys. I'm sorry. All right. So multiplying it in our lives. We're on our our third point. We talked about the right approach, right? Uh, Attitude, keeping in perspective, remembering life with God is exciting, right? What to do, what kind of life, right? What, what does it look like? How do we get it? Now we're focusing on multiplying that life in our lives. All right, so I'm going to go very quickly. All right, John chapter 10, 7 through, t- 7 through 10. So John's chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. Josh fell asleep back there. He was yawning too. See what you started? <laughs> right. No? Okay, I, I, I forgot to give that to Josh. I apologize. That was my fault, apparently. Um, I have come, this is John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. I have come that they might have life. Oh, this was our primary verse. I'm sorry. I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Perfect. Now, when we talk about that, right? Oh, perfect. Um, So now we need to talk about how do we not just keep that life, but to multiply it. Okay? So I want to start us with the idea that God gave to us first. Right? So... Let's do John 3.16. No feedback? Oh, that's, I was going to say, how many people here know John 3.16? Yeah? All right, let's test. Sing it with me. For, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him should not... Guys, you all know it. Okay, why am I talking about John 3.16? Because in John 3.16, we find out that God loved us. He loved the whole world from the very beginning, right? 
And that's, that's, first we want you to understand that as a foundation, then we'll see, okay, what does that mean? Because that love is that a little bit of that spiritual life. Remember we talked about it, that's a fruit of the Spirit. So God gave us some of that fruit, okay? Really quick, Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8, if we have it. Awesome. So, while we were yet sinners, it's implied, but I want to be explicit for a second. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay. All right, cool. So we know that God, while we were sinners, he loved us first. Now we're going to pull it together because I want you guys to understand why. So first, God gave us fruit, right? Now we're going to talk about what we do with it, okay? All right, so this is Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. This is how we start thinking about multiplying. And what we're actually going to find out is you don't want to just keep it. You don't want to keep that love that God gave us, that he invested in us. You don't want to keep that joy and just hold it to ourselves. We don't want to say, man, the world's a bad place. Let me just, let me just hide and make sure that I stay safe, right? Because Paul says to be in the world, but not of the world, because guys, someone's got to tell them. Someone's got to tell them just like someone had to tell us, right? All right, so this is, this is the parable of the talents. All right, so we're going to talk through a couple things as we go through this. Do you guys fairly familiar with the parable of the talents? Okay, so I'm going to touch on a couple of things. So first of all, when you hear the word talent, talent is actually a piece of gold, right? So when I talk about talents, I might just substitute, God gave them some gold, okay? God gave them 10 talents, God gave them 10 pieces of gold, just so that we have it in our brain. The reason why I say that is because some of the children's books, if you're ever in Sunday school, sometimes people are like, talents are the things you do really well, which is true in English, but that's not how it's translated. Talents are the things you do really good and you need to do them unto God. That's a nice thing to say. But talents, in this case, has nothing to do with your skill in jump roping. It is purely related to money, okay? So we're going to talk about that for a second. All right, so starting in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he, who had received the five talents, went and traded with them, and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug it in the ground, and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him also, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. And look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered to him and said, You wicked and lazy servant. 
You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back to my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him, give it to him who has ten talents, for to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away, and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay. There was one word here, really quick. Uh, 29? And he will have abundance. Just for fun, he even used the word abundance. Not that it mattered. But we talked about the fruit of your labor being money, right? God's making a similar type of analogy with spiritual fruit, right? And God's saying, look, I loved you first. I gave spiritual life to you first. Now, I want you to multiply. Now, what does that look like? So let's talk about this verse and kind of break it down a little bit, okay? So think about one of these servants. The Lord came over and he gave him 10 gold coins. 10 gold coins nowadays, a gold coin, somewhere between $1,000 and $2,000 back then, that was a lot of money. That was maybe you could buy a piece of property, maybe you could buy a house, right? All kinds of different things. It's a lot of money. So the servant would take this 10 talents and he would buy and trade, right? And he would take those talents and he would create more. All right, so what's an example? Think about maybe uh, if you have a town next to uh, a sea, like the Sea of Galilee or something like that, and they had fishing, right? Now away from that sea, they might have farms, right? So you might have a saltwater. I don't even know if the Sea of Galilee is saltwater or freshwater, but you might have a saltwater. wouldn't be good for crops. A little bit inland, you might have crops. You might have produce. So if you went to this place that city by the sea, and you buy, right? And this, the fish there is very cheap. So you buy that, and you take that over here to this other town. They have produce, and you sell it to them with a little bit of profit. And you take, and then you buy produce, and you sell it to the people with a fish. The idea here is you're going back and forth, and you're taking things from here, and you're adding value. It's not exactly, but a little bit like salt. You're taking things and making them a little bit better, right? You're taking fruit and making, it's, if you're a farmer and you have an apple orchard, apples are not as valuable to you as it is if you don't have any apples, right? Your fish might be cheap to you. And it's, it's how do we multiply that? Okay. But the idea here that I want you guys to see is that when you love others and they love you back, when there are people who don't have spiritual life, and you invest spiritual life into them like God invested spiritual life into each one of us. When you share your joy, when you share your hope, when you share your love, that's how spiritual life increases. And then not only... Guys, when I, when I spend time with people who, are, who I've already made the investment with of spiritual fruit, when I give that little bit of hope or joy or love or encouragement, guys, I get it back. And I get back more. And it multiplies, guys. And the idea is, again, if we look out in the world and say the world's a hard place, everything's bad, everything's nasty, sometimes we say people are bad, right? We can, we can isolate ourselves. And God says, guys, that's not love. What did, what did God tell us earlier? If you do all these things, faith, you read your Bible every day, pray every day, but you're in your house and you don't love anybody. God says, you don't have anything, guys. 
We have to love. We have to care. We have to get out. We have to share that life that God gave us. And that's the beautiful, that's the whole point of this story. Okay, so in closing, right? The idea here, (laughs) just for fun, right, was don't be a zombie. Don't be a zombie. Don't be walking through life, walking through, you know, looking healthy human being, uh, you know, know, having unhealthy desires, all these things, but rather choose spiritual life. Choose the better choice. And guys, the idea is it's exciting to be filled with life. It's exciting. You get the best life possible when you love God. And we want people to see that so that they can say, I want what you have. And then we get that multiplication, right? This is the heart. This is the goal that God put us on earth. This is, guys, every single day, I want to say, how can I be salt? How can I look for the good? How can I bring that out? How can I find two different flavors of people, personalities, and smooth those over and be that peacemaker, right? How can I find opportunities to multiply that life? Because I'm not just multiplying it for myself. I'm multiplying it for everyone around me too. And that's what's exciting for me. All right, if we could get every head bowed and every eye closed. Guys, this teaching is not just for you if you're not a Christian, and it's not just for you if you are a Christian. Maybe you're someone who literally, you know, for you, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and you've had that joy in the past, but it, 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 it it's hard to hold on to, and you just needed that rem- reminder of the excitement and goodness of God's love and life and what he wants for you. Guys, we're going we're gonna to do this in a slightly different way, right? Is I just want you to think about if you have been really challenging yourself to have that love and life within yourself, that spirit of God, that spiritual life filling you and filling your relationships and family and friends and work. And to have that vision of what it could be. And to, to remember that God, God wants that for you and that this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to have that. And if you're not saved right now, guys, all you have to do is open up your heart. All you have to say is, wow, I had no idea. I had no idea how much love God had for me and what he wanted for me in my life. And so, guys, if you want that in your life right now, I just ask that you close your eyes right now. And you don't have to, you don't have to do anything else. You can raise your hand if it's helpful to you because it's just about you and God right now. And you just say, God, I love you. And I want to renew my life. And if, I, if I'm not saved, I want, I want to know you. And if I'm saved, I want to know you more. Because you are good. And, and, and in Paul says, he says, rejoice in, the, in, in God. And I want to rejoice in you, Father. I want to see everything that you ask of me. 
Every day that I live in your service because your burden is light, I want to see it as the blessing that it truly is, God. And I want more of you, and I want that in my life. God, if you said that prayer, whether you're saved already or whether you're unsaved, God, God, guys, God wants that for us right now. And he wants us to build that community. And he wants us to know that if we start seeking that life and we start multiplying that life, Guys, guys, I don't care hypothetically if no one else ever shows up, but spiritually, we're going to blow the walls off of this place. And that's the best possible thing I could imagine. All right, guys. Amen. So thank you so much, guys. So I hope that that wasn't so long, Joe, that I never get to teach here again. <laughs> I hope that you, that meant something to someone out here. Um, and it was just encouraging, because that's all, all, all we could hope for. Uh, <laughs> Thank you guys so much. We're going to have a song from our awesome song service. And that's it. Yeah.
Guys, I love our song service every single time. Yes, I will. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for coming out. Um, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Would love to have you again. Sunday, same time, same bat channel. <laughs> this is the place, guys. This is where it all happens. We love you guys so much. Have a great, have a great weekend. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.